0: You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. So once again, it is great to be back on air with you again, Ms. Shannon.
1: It is indeed. We kind of had a little break there. It feels like it's been a while.
0: Yeah, it has been. And since the time we have uh, met last... To today, mm-hmm. I am proud to say. Hold on, let me just go ahead and add this.
1: Uh oh, you haven't had a new baby, have you?
0: No, 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 no. But we have topped one million downloads. <laughs> Yay! With sexy marriage radio. <laughs> that is
1: so strange.
0: That is very, very cool, and it's one of those Who things d- that. Who it, it? Say again.
1: Who it? it, uh- it
0: Funk. i don't know who would have thunk it but (laughs)
1: when you created this did you have any idea how much traction it would get and how popular it would become and how much positive impact you would make on couples lives
0: well I, i don't know if i had the the idea of how much it would but i did i did have this thought that you know what this is something that's so important this is something that there's not near enough out there about and there's such a need it so it seems like just one of those logical hey that's just a good fit
1: so you knew that it would go deep you just had no idea how wide it would
0: yeah i I mean it was logic it was really just one of those this is something that needs to be done without a real game plan of i don't know how long it goes on i don't know how we promote it i don't know it's just one of those it needs to be addressed it needs to be talked about hey that's kind of the way life is isn't it (laughs) sometimes
1: but what i think is Kind of a cool phenomenon here is that you know there are lots and lots and lots of radio and television shows out there now, and so many of them are like sparkly puddles they're yep. really shiny and spark you know scintillating and inviting, but they're not very deep right but with you and the vision that you have for the impact that that you know healthy sexuality can have on marriages and families, this is going deep than any other show I have ever watched or seen or heard i mean yeah, there's been other sex shows like dr ruth and stuff but they didn't incorporate the spiritual values into it like i feel like we do no matter what your spiritual values are we respect those right
0: and don't sell yourself short on this one shannon you bring a lot to the table with this so i say thank you for this oh sure and
1: it's my delight to ride side saddle with you (laughs) and
0: and since we're uh talking about this if you're kind of new to this whole idea of sexy marriage radio welcome thanks for taking some time out to spend a little bit of time with us where we are just of the firm belief that married sex is the best place for sex and where it's the hottest place that it can be going on and so we love hearing from our listeners and we want to hear from you if you got something that you want to talk about a topic a question feel free to email us at feedback@sexymarriageradio.com at every single email is read that comes yes, through and is. we do get My quite both a of few us. and they come to both of us so we get a chance to respond to some and some become shows and we just see where it goes from there. And we also love having people jump on iTunes and give us any kind of comments or reviews because that helps us climb the charts in the sexuality category, which is littered with a anything-goes approach. Mm-hmm. So so we like trying to swim against the stream a little bit about just married sex is really blessed and sacred and hot and can be fantastic through the course of your life. And so this leads to a perfect show today, I think, a perfect topic. on. Yeah. This idea of what are the expectations that we place on our sex life, or if you want to phrase it a different way, that could be kind of clever, I guess, what are our sex expectations?
1: <laughs> or as I often say, what are our heck expectations? <laughs> Because sometimes we can sure put a hex on our relationships by having unrealistic expectations.
0: Yes, we can.
1: But, yeah, let's look at it from both sides of the fence. I think sometimes we need to expect more, and sometimes we need to adjust those expectations down to a realistic level.
0: Right, because if you think about the whole wealth of what is going on behind closed doors, that there's a lot of things that, you know, when a problem occurs in your sex life, this is one of the things that happen a lot in my practice. When a problem occurs in your sex life, it's very easy to think you're the only ones experiencing that problem. Mm-hmm. You know, that you're the only one that has an ED issue or has mm-hmm. a anti-orgasmic issue or has a fetish vaginismus or vaginismus. Or... Yeah. All these different things that you seem like, oh, I'm the only one. And one of the things that's a plus of the, of the internet is it has allowed the options to find that I'm not alone, that there are people that have this, you know, very similar occurrences, similar instances, similar loneliness, similar one-sided sex lives, similar mm. n- non-existent sex lives. So that has helped, but it's still, the internet is a wealth of misinformation.
1: Yeah. That's so a good way of putting it. It's
0: <laughs> it's one of those that just because you found it there doesn't necessarily mean what it <laughs> says because it can just be somebody's personal journey and it can just be somebody's personal insight or take on something, which there's value in it, but it's not the end all be all. And so I'm thinking one of the things that that research helps do, because there's a difference. And let me, I'm going to go academic just real quick, Shannon. So bear with me. I apologize. But one of the things that research does is if you can get a chance to go to peer peer reviewed journals, Mm -hmm. which is where most research is published, you Uh know, you get the, the medical society journals, you get the marriage and family therapy journals you get psychology journals you get all these different ones where there's multiple editors and what that brings to the table is you get lots of people that have to sign off on the quality of the research before it goes to print
1: right right
0: so, so it's not just some magazine that some person decided hey i'm gonna put this because i think it's valuable which it may be but a peer review a peer-reviewed journal adds a whole nother level
1: yeah, collective intellect.
0: Right, and that, that allows for better quality research to be published. That allows for better quality information to be disseminated throughout the, throughout the society. And so whenever I'm thinking of different things that are going on, that's where I go. I try to find peer-reviewed journals. Mm-hmm. to okay, what are they saying? What's the, pro- what's the issues? And so one of the things that's kind of held steady was the idea of how much sex is actually occurring <laughs> in marriage. <laughs> because lots of people don't know that they could sit there and think, "Wait, we're only having it once a month. There must be a problem." Or we have it every three days. We must be ab- abnormal. Or you know, mm. all these different various things. And and,
1: and what, what I wonder is how can people think that comparing themselves to anybody else on the planet is a good or healthy thing?
0: <laughs> True. What,
1: what difference does it make what other people are doing? True. Is that, that, that's just not a reliable standard of measurement to say we're really doing great or we're doing horrible because what works for one couple is just not going to work
0: for mm-hmm. another couple. That's true. That's true. And, but the, the problem is we compare ourselves in every area of life all the time. I mean that's what Hollywood has made billions doing. Right. Is right. <laughs> setting up this whole this is what life could be. I mean, that's why advertising works. That's why marketing yeah. works, because it's this whole, "Hey, you got a problem in your life, Shannon? You must need a new car because that will <laughs> that solve.
1: Will fix everything. That will solve it. That if you will just drive the: you somebody. Yeah, If
0: you'll just drive you'll the just Honda drive Civic, car. right, you'll be something. <laughs> and, and whatever. I mean, so I like that idea. Let's start there. that what matters is what's going on with you. And I heard this once from a, a friend that when it came to marital issues, and I love this, the way to kind of capture this. And this is kind of this, I guess this would help frame this discussion is if one of you thinks it's a problem, it's a problem.
1: I like that standard,
0: you know, because that, that, that seems to be a good
1: standard. Yeah. It, because and, that, and, and what comes to my mind is I remember I was on a mission trip one time and I met this woman and when she learned, you know, kind of what I do, that I'm a sex expert. She just was just really uncomfortable, and she finally admitted she was like, I I just don't have sex. That's just not my thing. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't have sex? Like, aren't you married? And she said, yeah, but the thing is, is I married someone who was sexually abused as a child, and he doesn't want sex either. So the two of us together are perfectly content with a platonic relationship. And at first I was like, that's not right. You're both (laughs) broken. There's something wrong. (laughs) Fix it. We must fix you. But then I thought, wait a minute, if neither one of them has the problem with it, right. why should I have a problem with it? Right. And so whatever suits the two of you, but right. you're right. It's when one of you feels as if something is missing, that there's definitely something broken. So it doesn't have to be that both of them feel as if something is missing. If one person feels cheated or robbed or disconnected or disillusioned, There's a problem.
0: Right. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the person that feels cheated or robbed or has a problem has to get their way because they're, you know, it it just means, Hey, that's something that needs to be explored more. It needs to be brought up. You need to have those conversations. You need to seek help. You need whatever it may mean. It's just, you can't just let one person run roughshod over the other either way.
1: Well, isn't that what we signed up for when we got married? It wasn't just so that we could get our own needs met. We signed up to be a minister, so to speak, of our spouse. So if our spouse is in need of something that we don't necessarily feel comfortable providing, we have to look at the root issues of that discomfort. What what is it that's holding me back from living up to this commitment that I made to be my spouse's helpmate, soulmate, sex mate, all of it.
0: Right. Okay. So, but there still comes into play what are some of the trends what are some of the baseline things that are going on because that's that's where research can can hurt you and it can help you <laughs> you know it it can be oh wait that means we're there's something wrong but what it does i think is it helps you put it helps you clarify or conceptualize what's really happening yes. in your life because maybe sometimes there's something going on i mean have you had this experience in your in your marriage cuz you've been married quite a while just 20, years. wow well done by the way thank but you that so throughout the 25 years hasn't there been seasons of your marriage where you've been okay something's just kind of not clicking something's just off something but you can't put your finger on it you know you can't quite figure it out until maybe hindsight comes in and you're like oh that's what it was or new information comes in and you're like oh that's what that is okay
1: Totally and usually it it comes in the form for at least for women at least for me as a woman, in that I'm feeling emotionally disconnected, but when I look at what's going on physically or with our schedule or in our communication or right. whatever, that kind of explains right. the disconnection okay
0: yeah. so that's that's where research can come in to help because mm-hmm. it can let you see you know they've gone out and they've they've taken a really good sampling snapshot of of the population, and then they can give you the data from that, and what you do with it is up to the researcher, you know, because most of the time everybody has a slant. <laughs> that right. they're, they're manipulating it for something. That's the whole point of, mm-hmm. of sales and pushing things. And I mean, I'm trying to get you to think or believe some way or something. But what I have found and what's kind of held true is that the amount of sex that's happening in a normal, quote-unquote, average relationship would be roughly one to two times a week. Okay. It's, it's the sex life going on. So I would say let's change that to six times a month is about the time – about how much sex is happening on average in in any given marriage. Okay. But where I want to go deeper with this is something that we've alluded to before is the idea that not every instance and encounter of sex is swinging from the chandeliers – you know, multiple, multi-orgasmic your socks yeah, off. Yeah, you got to change the sheets because so much sweat was exerted through it all <laughs> that, and, you know, it would have been, it would have made, you know, Hollywood proud <laughs> to, 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 to have that, you know. So we've, we've alluded to that, but, but if you go a little deeper with the research, out of all, out of the six times a month, one is that. On average,
1: I, I was gonna say I think that that sounds like vacation sex, <laughs> yeah, or you know celebration sex, mm-hmm. you know birthday sex, that type of thing. It, that's not. I don't think that that's the standard no. across the board of what's happening on a regular basis. No,
0: it's not, and and that's where it's. My hope would be that with this show, a listener could sit here and and, and think through. Okay, well that starts to make sense. That doesn't mean it has to stay that way. I mean, I would love to see the trend go to where. If it's six times a month, you know, three of them are great. <laughs> three, mm-hmm. three of them are fantastic. Blow your or, socks off.
1: Or to see the trend go from hey, just go from six times a month to nine times yep. a month. You know, try to consistently have it twice a week instead of one point five. Yep.
0: That's how do you
1: have yeah. point five? Yeah,
0: that's an inter- that's a whole other show. Let's let's talk about point five of sex. That's like how you have point five of a <laughs> child.
1: Half a sexual encounter. Right.
0: Maybe that's how that's where the point five child comes from is the point 0.5 sex. <laughs> but so if okay back to the discussion that if you're talking about six times you're going to have you can kind of qualify it this way one time is going to be great mm-hmm. two time are going to be good you know twice two of those are going to be good they're going to be good moments you know good connection good good sex two of them are going to be uh eh, they'll be functional they'll be so so It's kind of get the job done right sex and then one's going to be lousy you know one's just going to be kind of yeah that just wasn't yeah, there's something wrong with that. Something missing with that one. I, you weren't into it. I was distracted. We were busy. A kid came to the door. You know, whatever it was, it just kind of right. ruined it.
1: But I, I love that you're making room for that. Yeah, because I think that some people may be tempted that when they have that one lousy experience to catastrophize right. that to say we have a lousy sex right. life. Right, there's
0: something wrong. When
1: when it's not consistently lousy.
0: Right, right. Because I, I was listening to a guy that he helped frame this discussion, and, and I loved it because he said, you know, when you, when you have people come to you and say, well, we had one time that was just lousy. It's, it's great to be able to look them square in the eye and say, well, join the club, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we did too.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and how can you expect not to? It's it's kind <clears> of <throat> like a night's sleep. You know, you, Sometimes you get really great night's sleep, and yep. other times you really don't b- get very good sleep at all. Yep. But overall, generally, you'd say that you're a decent sleeper, yep. even if you have a bad night on occasion.
0: Yep. And yeah. so it's it's being able to realize, okay, look, this isn't always going to be great. It's not always going to work exactly the way I want. It's not always going to last as long as I'm hoping or... She's not going to do what I was hoping she would do because it's not my birthday or an anniversary or Christmas or Valentine's <laughs> Day. Or, it's, you know, it's gonna, he's not going to do whatever because, you know, he I I can't speak for that one because I don't know. Um, but it's just to help kind of frame where we go into this that, OK, this is kind of just a baseline to help help you kind of frame what's going on in your bedroom and realize it can be whatever you want it to be, but there's going to be some normalcy of how it's going to unfold. And that, does, that right. means everything is okay. That means there's nothing broken. It just means yeah. you're dealing with marriage. You're dealing with sex.
1: But I do want to equip and empower both men and women that if there's something that you're consistently longing for that you feel like is consistently missing, you do have the right and the responsibility to communicate that desire. Right. Uh, and my encouragement is to inspire that out of your spouse rather than require it of your spouse. It's right. not a beating them over the head. You're not doing this for me. What's wrong with you? I deserve better opinion or approach. It's more of a, you know, it would mean so much to me if you would ever be willing to do this for any length of time. I, that just really floats my boat. And mm-hmm. I love it when you do that, like inspire them. But you know, whenever I, especially with women, whenever I ask them, have you communicated to your husband exactly what you like best in bed, so oftentimes i I get a blank stare and I hear crickets, and it's kinda like what like right. i have the I have the right to ask for something in bed. I thought I was just supposed to be his sexual rag doll. Well, no wonder they don't are aren't really very interested right. and if she feels as if she's it's only about what she's giving him and she doesn't have the right to ask for what she would enjoy then She's, she's going to feel used
0: and abused. Yep. So what do you do with the fact that they have said it? They maybe haven't come straight out and said, you know, hey, you know, this is what I really enjoy when you do this. But they have said, Oh, I really liked that after it was all done. And and to them, they're thinking, I have told them. That's enough. That's, that should be a clear enough message that, yes, when you go down on me, I really enjoyed that.
1: Right.
0: So... Because that's a, that's a fact of marriage too, that your spouse knows what you like and don't like most, most likely they have a, they have a hint of it at least, but But what do you do when they don't do it?
1: (laughs) But I think that we always have a tendency to approach sex, not with the mindset of what does my spouse like? I think that by human nature, we are creatures of our own pleasure Mm -hmm. and we come into it, looking at it through the lens of what do I want? What do I want? But your spouse can't read your mind. So if you're right. thinking, what do I want? And he or she is thinking, what do I want? You can see how they would just. Impasse. Exactly. That that they would be firing and missing and and walk away a little disillusioned and disappointed. Mm-hmm. So I think that I, I really like the whole Pavlov's dog thing. I'm very thankful for Pavlov because I, I I'm really probably a lot more like Pavlov's dog than I would care to admit. <laughs> Positive reinforcement works. Mm -hmm. It so works. And so letting your spouse know afterward how great that was, how much you appreciate that. What can I do to show you how much I enjoyed that? What would you really enjoy? And just turning those tables to make sure that you're reciprocating, not just kicking back with your cigarette. It reminds me of this cartoon one time that I saw. It had a, a chicken and an egg and the The egg was sitting on the edge of the bed with arms crossed and legs crossed and a scowl on his face or her face, I guess. And the chicken was a rooster or whatever was laid back smoking a cigar. And the egg says, Well, I guess we answered that question. And of course, it's the who which came first, (laughs) the chicken or the egg, you know. (laughs) But you know, there has to be communication Mm -hmm. and there has to be reciprocation and there has to be affirmation and letting the other person know that you're really interested and motivated in providing them as much pleasure as you're interested in receiving. I, I think that, that that, that reciprocity is a huge ingredient that is sometimes missing.
0: I think it's a lot of time missing because uh, this, this is a deeper one because when it comes, to, when we go into life with the expectation of reciprocity, we set ourselves up for frustration and disappointment. You know, if I go into something expecting it something in return, I'm going to be disappointed. No, no ifs ands or buts about it. It's going to happen.
1: Right, right.
0: But I still have to learn how do I go into the whatever it is, seeking what I'm desiring, and mm-hmm. letting that be what motivates me, not the outcome of it. So right. it's a slow process. It's because it is. You know, marriage is there. There is some. Uh, reciprocity and exchange based concepts that go on in marriage. Cause that's, that's part of the whole secrecy and elegance of it that you create this relationship that only the two of, you know, mm-hmm. but it's learning how to still give with no strings attached, even when you're not returning, you know, you're not getting in something received back. Right. Or... Right.
1: Well, that brings to mind, I remember we were going through a season of our marriage where I really felt as if it was all about him it was over too fast, I didn't feel as if you know he was as interested in meeting my needs because women typically take longer, and he would get tired after he was done, et right. cetera, et cetera, and I remember that Greg got smart and he started on occasion saying to me after he had brought me to orgasm first to just say um you know, that, that, that's okay, you know it's let's just let this be about you tonight, and he would go on to sleep. And it would be like, what? You know, like, <laughs> like I can receive, and you're not expecting me to now mount you and go to town on giving back. And, and it really was; it was just all about me for a while. And it created a big paradigm shift in mm-hmm. my mind that my husband is not as selfish of a lover as I have previously perceived him to be. Right. He actually is very interested in being a giver, not just a receiver of pleasure. And that really kind of lit a fire under me to want to be a giver. Too. I, I find there is just as much joy in giving yeah. sexually as there is in receiving. And I think that spouses pick up on that. Of, yeah. of, do you really take as much pride in giving as you do in receiving?
0: Yeah. And that's, that gets into the whole concept of power because there's something about having power over providing pleasure to somebody else that is very mm. energizing and exhilarating to know, I know exactly what to do with you <laughs> to, to yes. send you through the roof. That, that and, let me
1: show you. What right. I'm and
0: and, of. and yeah. that's, if you think about it, we know this on the negative side. I know exactly the buttons to push to really tick my wife off. You uh-huh. know, the things to poke fun at, the things to whatever. The the scats to absolutely. Spawn. Well, the reverse is true as well. And that's where that's growth. That's a crucible of growth for each individual is what do I use when it comes to power over my, my partner?
1: Now, see, the word power, Corey, I think that that word power feels so comfortable and alluring to men because I think in our society that men are taught that you're supposed to be a powerful creature. I think that there's still a lot of women out there who struggle with, uh, yeah, I mean, let's be real. There was a feministic movement, but there was also a big bashing of that feministic Mm -hmm. movement and they are afraid Mm -hmm. of their own power. They're afraid of exerting power. They're afraid of being seen as a feminazi and they don't, they, they just don't know what to do with that power. But when a woman can embrace and celebrate her seductive power over her husband, I think that that just adds like magic fairy dust mm-hmm. to the relationship. I think that a man sometimes wants to be overpowered by his wife. He wants to be seduced and wooed and pursued by his wife.
0: Am Absol- I right? Absolutely. I want to be invited into the power of my wife.
1: You want to be lured. Yeah. But I think that uh, women also want the same thing. And I know that a lot of men out there also struggle with the notion of power. I Mm -hmm. think that they're afraid of how she's going to respond and is she going to reject him? And there's just all kinds of mommy issues surrounding sex in men's minds the way that there are daddy issues surrounding sex in women's minds.
0: Right. And this goes into the whole idea of the differences between men and women, I think, in the way we were designed and the way we were created that – Men were designed, I believe, to penetrate and to go out into their world. To
1: yeah, to, to sow their seed.
0: Right to rule and well, no, I'm not even talking just sexually. I'm just talking about that's what you, you look at. Look through the course of history, just masculinity, and yeah, that men have gone out to conquer, to explore, to you know rule and subdue, if you will. Mm-hmm. There's there's some scripture for you.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: And and so that was the idea, and then w- women were designed to be receptive, to be opened, to you know, but there's still tremendous amount of power. That's not a vulnerability stance. That's not a oh poor helpless me. That's a right. no no no, I'm going to unveil me. And that is tremendous amount of energy and passion and power sure. in and sure, of and it's it's true. Self.
1: I mean it, it says that um that her bent will be toward her husband, yep. that she will naturally want to cling to him connect yep. with him, take refuge under his wing, if you will. But there are lots of women who have just not discovered the joy of, 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 of being in that posture with okay. their husbands.
0: And some of that I think is going to be because the man hasn't been solid enough to allow her to do it.
1: That's so true. It, it, it's definitely a two way street. It I, is. I, I think that we can never, ever say, well, it's because men do this or no. don't do this. And no. it's because women do this and don't do this. And you feel like you're walking on eggshells. I mean, for example, um, uh, last month I did a Women in the Battle workshop with New Life uh, where Dr. Sherry Kepper was speaking to women whose husbands were addicted to porn or had had affairs. And, of course, so many of the women in the audience, they want to hurl the stone at the husband of it's all him. Look at what he's done Mm -hmm. to me. This is his deal. This is not my deal. And now here I am, I'm about to do a passion principles workshop for women this weekend in Orange County, California. And by the way, I think that the show is airing this same week. So if if you're anywhere near Southern (laughs) California, October 10th through the 12th and can join us, we'll be taking registrations out the door. Um, So what I'm wrestling with is now when I come at this topic about becoming a sexually confident wife, there's no way that I can say to them that it's all your husband's fault with his porn addiction and his sex addiction. And if that's, what's holding you back in bed, because the reality is, is he, he may not, I mean, he may have become that way before you ever came into the picture, but the reality is, is I feel as if women do withhold a huge part of themselves sexually from their husbands. Right. And how, how is he supposed to satisfy that urge? If he feels as if his wife is shutting him out, punishing him, beating him over the head with his issues, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, I I hate, Running the risk of making a woman feel like, well, you know, it kind of is your fault a little bit. And I'm not <laughs> saying fault. I'm just saying you hold enormous power mm-hmm. to win your husband over from the dark side that he has gravitated toward because you are are who he could be connecting with in a sexual way in a much more euphoric, uh, connective way than what he's doing with his pornography or his affair partner.
0: Right. Right. I just so
1: believe that. I so believe that what happens in the marriage is far more powerful than what happens on the computer screen or in an office romance or whatever.
0: Right. It is.
1: But women have to embrace that power and not be afraid to use it.
0: And men have to embrace that power and not be afraid to go into the stream of a real life woman. <laughs> I guess right. You could say that because it's it's real it's so easy to turn to the to the screen because there's countless thousands, millions of images portrayals, whatever, to satisfy that itch. But to turn to a real person who may or may not, there's a huge risk there.
1: But it is okay for a woman to expect that you connect with me sexually. I am the source of your Mm -hmm. sexual satisfaction, not the computer screen, not the romance. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of in a small group of women, uh, like seven out of eight of them were blaming their husbands and not willing to even consider that they had any role to play in any of his issues. But there was one in particular who said, I realized that when he, you know, when, when he admitted that he had been totally entrenched in pornography for the past three years, she said, I looked at my career and realized I had spent way too much time focusing on climbing the corporate ladder and not enough time climbing in bed with my husband. And she said, I just went on a tangent that I just started making love to him almost every single day, trying to win his heart back. And I thought, Now there is an attitude that I respect and admire because she was, she was like marking her territory. She's like, I'm not losing my husband to some image on a screen. I'm fighting for him. I'm I'm putting all that I am out on the table for him to feast at my table of delights. And I think all the other women in the room were like, I hadn't thought about doing it that way, but I bet it's more effective.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It sure could be. Because, it, I mean, it, this goes back to what we, told, we started this whole thing with, Shannon, is what are our expectations when it comes to our sex life and into our marriage? Because that helps set the key for the path of, that you're going to go forward on. That, and what you're bringing up here at the end, I think, is valuable because it allows you to start realizing that, okay, I can look at this differently. I can, I can go into this with a, a little bit less attachment to an outcome and a little bit more of a... You know, I want to start speaking up and seeking some of my desires, and I'm gonna see what happens.
1: And I don't have to compare myself to everybody else and what they're doing and pattern my behavior after everyone else's behavior. What do I want? Right,
0: and do it in the midst of it. You know, seek it mm. in the midst of it. Because how often do you sit there and you just do what works last time? You know, that's 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 a that's a, a flaw of men is mm. we we so fall true. victim to the oh, I'll just do what worked last time, and as One opposed many flaws, yeah, as opposed to. <laughs> No 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 this is in the midst of this I want I'm just going to flip you over and put your, you know pin your arms above your head and just go there in that way and and just change it up and know that my partner will say no not interested and then I can go back to what, something different if that happens or
1: she can say Wow, who are you? Exactly. kidnapped my husband?
0: And I like that person that has been returned to my house.
1: (laughs) Invite him back to my bedroom sometime. Well, this is the Sexy Marriage Radio.
0: We are really glad you joined us. And I'm hoping that from just the discussion of what are your sex expectations, you start to examine, hey, I don't have to hold on to all these so hard and fast. I can go where I want to go. Let us know how it goes. Yep. See you next time.
1: God bless.